daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. It's Monday, February 10th, Inside the Gamecocks podcast daily. J.C. Sherbert here with you. Lots to get to, obviously. Uh, no show on Friday. I have a, um, like a little touch of a cold, um, and I sounded like Frogger or Froggy from the Little Rascals, and I didn't think you guys wanted to hear my voice. Uh, obviously, uh, on Thursday, big news uh, with Justin or Jordan Birch. I'm sorry. See, still not with it right now. Uh, signing his letter of intent with the Gamecocks. Uh, we're going to talk about that today. Also, a slew of coaching moves um, have taken place, and, and that kind of starts off our uh, Monday episode here. Uh, and I want to start off by saying this. It, it, it seems – I know when you look at it, you're like, man, a lot of coaches left – or talking about leaving, the, the timing of this thing in college football these days, especially when it comes to like NFL jobs and, and college jobs that uh, unexpectedly open, um, most staffs do wait. They're, they're kind of respectful of the recruiting calendar, and they do wait and make changes after signing day. Um, this is not something that's rare. Uh, you guys remember Shane Beamer, um, the Gamecocks recruiting coordinator under Steve Spurrier, he waited until after Clowney committed on February 14th that year before he went to Virginia Tech, uh, and then it was done shortly thereafter. You know, these types of things, not only are, are they things that, you know, you don't hear a lot about or that don't go public before a signing date, there's sometimes things that don't even materialize until after signing day. Um, and it's just because of a respect. Now, you know, we can get into whether or not that should be the case, when it comes to recruiting um, and, and all that. But uh, all this is not – I mean, it, it, this is the timing of it and the, the volume of it right now is is not something that's out of the ordinary or, uh, you know, just conducive to South Carolina. I mean, I, I, Tennessee, uh, obviously, with uh, Tracy Rocker taking the Gamecocks defensive line job today and Drew Hughes, their director of player personnel, taking Matt Lindsay's old job at South Carolina – uh, you know, Chris Rump, who is a Gamecock alum who everybody knows about, leaves today from Tennessee and goes to the Houston Texans. Uh, a lot of these NFL jobs, when they hire college guys, um, kind of come up at this time during the year. And uh, so it's not out of the ordinary. Uh, it's not a sinking ship. It's, it's not something that it's either right after the first signing period or after the second signing period when most of this happens. Um, or it's right after the uh, – the end of the regular season uh, or after the bowl. You know, there's kind of four spots uh, where it happens. You know, under Spurrier, after the Outback Bowl in 08, heading into the 09 class, you know, there was a lot of movement after the bowl game. And the game guys had, what, five, six new coaches come in, uh, still signed one of the best classes in school history that included Stephon Gilmore, Devontae Holloman. Uh, and then that staff really was part of the rise uh, of South Carolina. That was after Spurrier's fourth year. Uh, I think Will Muschamp at South Carolina has done a really good job of keeping his staff intact because there's been a lot of guys that have had opportunities that have stayed. Um, I just think when you look at these specific situations, you know, l- let's start with Matt Lindsay. You know, he wants to be an NFL GM. Uh, some schools, Ole Miss included nowadays, are they're going to create positions called general managers on the college level, which means you're basically – I think it's kind of like the chief of staff uh, for a president or a uh, you know a governor or whoever. Chief of staff is a big deal. 
kind of behind the scenes. And that's what Lane Kiffin's doing. Well, well, South Carolina doesn't have that job, you know, chief of staff. Um, he was director of player personnel, kind of headed up recruiting, uh, all that good stuff. So that's a, that's a promotion for him going out to Oxford uh, and to get to where he wants to be in his career. Thomas Brown, it's not just an NFL assistant job. It's the Los Angeles Rams. It's Todd Gurley. It's Sean McVay. Uh, the Rams are one of the better franchises in the NFL. Uh, went to the Super Bowl two years ago. They're moving into one of the – premier stadiums in the country when it gets built, although they have to share it with the Chargers. And um, that's a that's a solid NFL job, you know, especially if you're a running backs coach. You know, looking back on Coleman Hutzler leaving, he left for Texas and has a coordinator title. That's the University of Texas, you know, Tom Herman. Uh, that's a great program. Austin is a great place to live. Uh, that's a step up from being special teams coordinator and linebackers coach at South Carolina. Uh, John Scott Jr. maybe is the guy that you look at and you're like, well, you know, he took the same job at a different spot, but it's Penn State, first and foremost. Uh, They're winning. They're winning big. They're back. Um, Say what you want about James Franklin. He's got some job security up there, Uh, especially now that Matt Rule's in the NFL, I think. I, I think had he taken Florida State, a lot of Penn State people would have been like, well, gosh, let's just go hire Matt Rule because Matt Rule's an alum, a uh, Penn State guy and all that, obviously a hell of a coach. But you know, he's coaching down where we're from now with the Carolina Panthers. And, you know, James Franklin's done a great job at Penn State. And Brent Pry, the, the D coordinator there, has a long history with John Scott. You know, they, they've known each other for years. Uh, of course, there's some rumors that Brent Pry may be in the mix for that Michigan State opening, which is – Folks, uh, that's taking a turn for the worse up there in, in East Lansing. You know, kind of this late date with the opening and all. There's a lot of people turning it down, so it's just kind of been a disaster for Sparty so far. But you know, looking at it, you know, I, I think all these guys left for better opportunities, uh, and and that's nothing against South Carolina. It's just it's an individual thing and an individual choice, and a better opportunity as far as they see fit. Now, will it end up being a mistake? You know, when Eric Wolford left the first time uh, and went to Youngstown State as the head coach, you know, Youngstown State was basically the Ohio State-type program of FCS. Um, Wolford went there, did um, did the best he could, uh, didn't work out. Bo Pelini replaced him and didn't work out there either. <laughs> so Youngstown maybe wasn't the best choice uh, for him at that time. But at the time... It was. It was absolutely the best gig, you know, to go to go make. All those other guys that left, too, during the Spurrier, era, uh, the best gig, you know. Um, don't blame them for going and taking it. You know, Sean Elliott went and took the Georgia State head coaching job. Can't can't blame Sean Elliott for doing that. He's, he's two out of the three years over there has been very successful. Um, and, and so I, I, would, I would encourage everybody just generally to look at it and say, well, this is – this probably means you got pretty good coaches. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Coming off a four and eight season, you know, these guys aren't just leaving to go down the road and, you know, at a school that, you know, a program that can't pay them. They're not taking pay cuts, you know, although the NFL roughly pays the same. I mean, they're not taking step back, steps backward. Uh, and that, that when, when guys start doing that, you're kind of like, oh, well, you know, I mean – then that usually either means that your school you're at, they're not willing to offer or match. That's what happened with Jay Graham when he went to Tennessee from South Carolina many years ago. 
uh, Craig Fitzgerald going to Penn State that time too, or, or, or it's just a, it's you know, or they're they're just like, I don't know, jumping off the ship, and that, that's not what's happening here. There's no there's no jumping off the ship. There's just better opportunities, and it's an individual decision. Uh, for their family. So, all right, so let's start with the defensive line opening, which was filled this morning. John Whittle from TheBigSpur.com reporting that. Um, Tracy Rocker, uh, and, and I'll say this, you know, in this world we live in these days with the Internet and the focus on recruiting, which is fine. Um, I've made a, a nice living over the years uh, focusing on recruiting and all that good stuff. You know, with all that these days, you know, I, I get – that if you're not out there signing a bunch of five stars, you know, there's going to be some some angst and consternation with regards to recruiting because everybody wants to get better players. Everybody wants to get players that are ranked high. Uh, everybody wants to win recruiting battles. Um, and, and maybe at Georgia and then to a lesser extent Tennessee, though when I look at the defensive linemen Tennessee's brought in, I think they've done a good job. You know, there's been some complaint. Well, maybe Tracy Rocker's not this stud recruiter or whatever. Um, Georgia replaced him with Trey Scott and people down there, their fans, if you ask them, they complain about Trey Scott too. (laughs) Um, so all that stuff aside, you know, no matter what the fans say or, you know, was he going to be able to be retained or whatever? The bottom line is as a, as a football coach, you know, as a, as a coacher, a coacher of the defensive line, someone that coaches the defensive line, Tracy Rocker is one of the best in the country and he has been for years. He was really good at Arkansas back during the Houston Nut era. Uh, they would do, they would go into Atlanta and sign and or, or South Georgia and sign a kid, and next thing you know, that players in the NFL. You know, he did a really really good job. Uh, I think in, in the NFL, he did a good job at his alma mater, Auburn. I, I think he's done every stop in the Southeastern Conference. You know, Tracy Rocker has done an outstanding job, and. Um, I think the Gamecocks got one of the best D-line coaches in the country. I thought John Scott Jr. did an outstanding job during his time at South Carolina, uh, recruiting-wise, coaching-wise. I mean, you know, Javon Kinlaw is a big feather in his cap, although Javon, a lot of it was because of Javon's work ethic and what Javon set his mind to do. But still, you know, you, you got a guy that you got, you got Javon Kinlaw over that hump to that next level, you know, in the year because Javon – you know, obviously he was healthier this past year and all that, but he, t- he took another big step. So you got to give him credit for it. You know, some of the younger guys, Rick Sandage had some flashing moments. I mean, there were some guys that he coached that, that really did well. Well, now you, you look at it, you got to kind of rebuild the interior a little bit depth wise. You got Rick Sandage and Zach Pickens sitting there, uh, two guys that have enormous potential on the interior. You're going to have some young guys behind them to kind of bring in and, and coach up. Tracy Rocker's the best guy you can possibly get, uh, especially all things considered, because um, D-line coaches are very valuable uh, in this situation. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's an outstanding get. And if you look at it in terms of the future down the road, you know, the state of South Carolina for the 2021 class has a lot of guys that are, that are obviously power five level defensive linemen, okay? But they're also guys that are going to need to be coached up. Um, you know, Justice Boone uh, obviously has a world of athletic potential. Ingram Dawkins from Gaffney, the kid from Wagner Sally. You know, there's there's a few of them, and, and they're all guys that have potential. But, but they got to be coached up. You know, that's that's one thing. Brad Lowing 
the legend, Brad Lawing, and, and he is a legend, uh, at South Carolina was great at, you know, taking guys and developing them. For everybody from John Abraham on up through, I mean, he developed Clowney. I mean, he taught Clowney quite a bit. You look at the drop-off Clowney had production-wise between Lawing and Deke Adams, you know. Uh, so you look at it, and, and I think Tracy Rocker is a guy that's cut from that same cloth. Developer can project guys, uh, can look and see what a guy can be down the road, coaches them up, his guys overperform. You know, Michael Bratton, who's on Twitter, that SEC podcast, he's a friend of mine. You know, he, he was talking that, you know, Tracy Rocker took an average group at Tennessee and they performed above their level the last two years. Um, I, I think he's a heck of a ball coach. Uh, and another thing is, you know, Will Muschamp, when he got here in late 2015 or 2016, that Tracy Rocker was the guy he wanted to hire. You know, Lance Thompson was going to coach linebackers. Um, and then Tracy Rocker, his son, you know, he stayed at Georgia because his son obviously is an outstanding baseball player now for Vanderbilt University. Um, and he went to Tennessee after it didn't work out at Georgia. And, you know, he's a guy that uh, Muschamp's wanted for a long, long time. And so this was a no-brainer type of a hire. I mean, I think in, in so many ways. Now, Tracy Rocker going to go out and go across the country and, you know, be like Sam Pittman on the offensive line and land a bunch of five-star recruits? Probably not. But I think the guys Carolina does have are going to be better players for, for because of it, because of him there. And I do think he'll land his share and he'll coach them up. And that's what you want because, you know, like I said, in South Carolina's recruiting footprint, there's always Dean linemen. The question is, can you get them better? Like how much is a Tonka Hemingway going to learn and, and develop with Tracy Rocker? How much is an Alex Huntley coming in going to get better under a guy like Tracy Rocker? You know, you just I'm Rick Sandage, you know, I mentioned Zach Pickens. All those guys have runways to where they can take another step. And, you know, as someone that follows this stuff, if you just ask me, well, who, who can you get, you know, look on the board, who can you get that's going to develop these guys if, if that's what you're focusing on? And, you know, outside of Craig Kuligowski, um, I'm picking Tracy Rocker, you know, as far as development goes, if Brad Lawing's not available because Brad's really good, Rick Petrie's really good, some of those grizzled old veterans. So, so I think sometimes you, you just got to go with the ball coach. Um, and that's exactly what Will Muschamp did. I think it's an absolute no-brainer. He's wanted him from the beginning. That's fine. Drew Hughes, who's the new director of player personnel, same type of deal, uh, elected to stay at Florida under McIlwain, didn't want to move his family. Uh, McIlwain gets canned. He ends up going to Tennessee with Pruitt. They've put together some pretty good classes. Um, I thought Matt Lindsay was outstanding. I think he's got an outstanding future at Ole Miss and beyond. Uh, but I think Drew Hughes also does a good job. They're kind of the same type of guy. Um, and that's somebody that's going to help Will Muschamp maximize and optimize the recruiting classes. I mean, this is essentially like a recruiting coordinator type of position where they're constantly evaluating and helping because Will Muschamp's his own recruiting coordinator. So – he coordinates all that. You need a guy that's pretty strong that where they're on the same page, you know, that's sitting there talking to him. So I, I think that's a that's another big time hire if you're the Gamecocks. 
you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, that that's just one of those things. Um, I think that when you look at uh, the running back's job that's open, you know, there's one name that sticks out, and, and that's Des Kitchings, who was for some reason fired or let go or departed North Carolina State. I mean, that guy's recruited all of their good players. So, I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe you shouldn't have promoted him to the play caller this year, but uh, I'd have found a way to try to keep him. But um, he's a South Carolina native. He's from Wagner. Sally played at Furman. was coached at Vanderbilt and then a long tenure at NC State. Uh, was a guy back when Spurrier hired Edward Sands that I strongly believe they should have hired. Um, Palmetto State native. Outstanding recruiter, especially in North Carolina. Uh, and you have to think he's probably good in South Carolina, too, because he's a South Carolina native um, and has familiarity with the state. But you're always looking to get an advantage up in North Carolina. Des Kitchings does a great job. Um, really has been a pain in the Gamecocks and whoever else is recruiting up their butt um, when he's been at NC State. I mean, they've gotten a lot of in-state guys that maybe, you know, maybe – under other circumstances, if it weren't for him and his ability to build relationships and recruit, they wouldn't have gotten. Uh, I, I think that's a guy that, you know, would you call I, – I would say that's the guy to watch. I, I don't know that I'd call him the leader in the clubhouse. I don't know what his situation is on his end in terms of he was a coordinator and then got demoted and now he's just out there, you know, maybe he looks for something else with more coordinator. I don't know. But – uh absolutely would be a home run hire uh, for South Carolina Um, because if you're going to have to replace Thomas Brown, you need to replace him with somebody that can go get it done in recruiting. So we'll see kind of, uh, we'll see kind of how all that goes with that, but that would be, um, you you add Des Kitchings and Tracy Rocker to your staff quickly after losing John Scott and Thomas Brown. Uh, That's, you know, I don't want to say upgrade, but I want to say that's, you know, on paper, the Gamecocks aren't really going to miss a beat. All right, so Brian McClendon. Um, and this is this is one of those unfortunate things about the media climate we live in these days. Um, there was a report out of Columbia. It was false that McClendon was leaving and definitely going to the Steelers. Um, that's not true. <laughs> Um, now, it, it is true he is a candidate for the job. He's interviewed with Tomlin, um, could get the job, could take it. But there's two other guys in the mix for that job. It's not a done deal. Right now he's still in Columbia, and he probably, you know, I, I don't want to say probably could or could not continue to be in Columbia, but um, there's a shot he stays on staff and everything's sort of status quo. I mean, you know, if I'm him – Obviously, with the situation with the offense and all that, you know, you're, you're kind of like, well, it may not be a bad thing to move on, but there's money considerations. There's moving to Pittsburgh, you know, with the family, all that. You know, these guys, uh, you have to keep in mind these are human beings, and, and they make human being decisions. It's not just based on ball all the time. Um, if he does go, what I anticipate Will Muschamp will do is hire a linebacker's coach. Uh, on defense, and what will happen is the offensive staff will shuffle, you know, the, whoever the running backs coach is, if it's Kitchings, coach running backs, Bobby Bentley probably will coach quarterbacks and tight ends, maybe just shift back to tight ends. Joe Cox, who coached receivers his last year at Colorado State, would probably become the new receivers coach. 
And I, quite frankly, looking at the way Colorado State's receivers performed this past year, Joe Cox is a pretty good receivers coach. Um, and obviously somebody that's very comfortable with Bobo and the offense they want to run and all that good stuff. You know, as far as who the linebackers coach may be, there's just one name out there, and I don't know if they'll end up going on him or not. Rodericus Wilson, former Gamecock quarterback slash linebacker from Cross, South Carolina, uh, was a special teams assistant for the Kansas City Chiefs this past year, coached at Charleston Southern for a while. Obviously is a guy that um, has a lot of potential and, and would come in, in my opinion, with a ton of credibility. Having played in the NFL, having played, having played at Carolina, he's from the Low Country. He's part of a Super Bowl championship-winning team, uh, and can also assist Kyle Krantz with special teams. Um, Rodriguez has talked to Muschamp, I think, over the years about a job that they were looking at him in an off-the-field role early. Uh, I don't know if he would leave the NFL right now or not, because obviously you're on a Super Bowl championship-winning team. You're going to have some opportunities at that level. Um, other than that, you know, there's going to be some names out there. There's a lot of good linebackers coaches, obviously, that Will Muschamp is familiar with. Uh, and I could definitely see him making a, a really good hire there. That would take Muschamp off from coaching a position. Uh, and then you'd have Muschamp just basically running the defense, doing whatever. And, um, you know, getting that uh, that part of the job ready to roll. I mean, Will Muschamp's got to coach the team and the defense and everything else. So, you know, I see the, I see the idea with – hiring a linebackers coach when there's an opening on offense, when you can just shift your offensive staff around and have everything work out. So we'll kind of see how that goes. Um, I personally, if you want my opinion on this, Rodriguez Wilson would be a grand slam hire. Uh, he checks a ton of boxes as a linebackers coach. Uh, and, and as a guy with experience at the highest level, uh, a South Carolinian, a former player, uh, a great person. You know, I, I know a lot of people that know Rodriguez Wilson. I mean, there, there's not many people that say anything bad about him, ever. <laughs> In fact, I've never heard anything bad about him. I've heard nothing but great things about him. Of course, he was there during the Holtz era. Uh, came in with Dondrell Pinkins, two quarterbacks in that class, if I remember correctly. Highly regarded guy out of cross. Um, and then played some defense in the NFL. Just overachieving guy. And has had a really good career as a coach. So, you know, we can see if that, that transpires or not. But, you know, obviously Brian McClendon still has a job with South Carolina right now, has not gotten the Steelers' job yet. It may not. So, and, and it was unfortunate because what happened with that was, you know, it gets reported in Columbia, and then people that cover the Steelers do what's called aggregating. Oh, report out of South Carolina says this. You know, because they're not getting the info from the Steelers. And so it ends up getting spread before it's true. And, and look, I'm not mad at anybody for reporting it. I mean, sometimes the timing of these things doesn't work out. Uh, I know the other day, you know, a great source close to the Birch commitment, we're going to get to that in a second, uh, tells me this may go on a while. And we hadn't had an update up on the big spur. And so I put up, hey, it may go on a while. And then the kid sends in his letter of intent within the hour, you know. Now, that wasn't an egregiously wrong report like Brian McClendon's definitely leaving. But, you know, the timing of it was like, well, what are you doing? You know, because an hour later, this kid sends it in. Well, you know, when you listen to, you know, sources have information up to the minute and you want to provide up to the minute info, things change sometimes within the hour. 
And so that's uh, that's the deal there. You know, this John Scott Jr. thing developed quickly. He was on lists for a while, and, you know, some people were talking about how he said he was just a name on a list. Well, he was until the day after signing day when they got the deal done. He decided he was going to take it. I mean, you know, th- these things happen. Like it's, it's coaching. Uh, it's college. It's college sports. You know, and, and, and I, you know, I, I, I thought that at, at the end of the day, you know, uh, prior to all this developing, you know, I, John Scott Jr. was home, South Carolina. Uh, and I knew about his relationship with Brent Pry, the defensive coordinator up there, and the fact that, you know, that was going to be a tough draw and a tough pull, but he, but he was home, and he'd only been there a year. And so you kind of weigh all those together. And then throw in the fact that with recruits, there was no talk of him leaving among recruits and their parents. And so, yeah, you know, he was just a name on a list, and then things happened, and he's a, a Penn State and Indy line now, and, and good for him. He's a great person, you know. That, that's just kind of one of those things that happened. But the McClendon thing was, was unfortunate because that's – it wasn't even close to being done, and it still isn't. You know, Mike Tomlin has to make that decision uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers, um, and McClendon has to make the decision to take it. Uh, so we'll see kind of how that ends up uh, ends up playing out. Um, I think if B Mac got the receiver's job for the Steelers, that'd be great for him. It'd be a good move. Um, as long as he and his family were happy, uh, you know, I think the Steelers are an outstanding organization. Uh, it's one of the best in the NFL. Um, you know, you can you can launch a career quite well. I think uh, being an assistant for that organization, you know, just like Thomas Brown with the Rams, I think that you know those are those are all good moves. But again, it hadn't happened yet, so we'll see kind of how it uh, it works out. So two new coaches are in, or two new staff members, I guess. Uh, Tracy Rocker's in as the D line coach, coming from Tennessee, and then Drew Hughes, director of player personnel. Uh, coming in also from Tennessee, uh, was with Muschamp at Florida, director of player personnel down there. Uh, and both of those guys were Muschamp's first choices for jobs when he got to South Carolina. So, you know, better late than never, better 2020 than 2015 when you talk about that situation. So I think that, um, you know, good, strong hires there, and we'll see kind of what happens with everything else uh, as things kind of unfold. With the coaching searches, stay tuned here and also to the bigspur.com. Jordan Birch, and, and I'm going to say this, there was a 24-hour delay with Jordan Birch getting his LOI in, which is not as big of a delay as it may have seemed. It was a long 24 hours, and it probably seemed a lot longer because he didn't sign in the first the first period, you know, the early period, and then took a visit. And then, you know, so we knew, we knew, you know, when he didn't sign – Initially, which, you know, nobody's lying about the fact that he wanted to sign with the rest of his Hammond teammates, you know, Alex Huntley as well. You know, there, there was no, there's not, that's not dishonest. That's, that's why they put it off. But you knew there was going to be some drama. He's, you know, top 10 player in the country. Lots of schools want him. And, you know, they kind of kept the door open and talked and with LSU and took a visit and all that. The delay, I can tell you without getting into it, the delay, had nothing to do with LSU. It was just a logistical thing. And uh, that's the best I could put it. Um, both he and his mom were on board with South Carolina. Never, you know, you get some nervous moments while you're waiting on something like that. 
uh, and you know the other schools talking to them, and you know, so, so you get some nervous moments. But that was, you know, after the fact, you know, what I was told was, you know, no, he was on board with the Gamecocks the whole time. It was just a logistical kind of deal in terms of when they sent in the LOI. Big picture wise, the uh, the delay was not a big deal. Twenty four hours because that that's what you're looking at. You, you, you know, it wasn't an official delay after he committed because he was never going to sign and neither were his teammates at, at Hammond. You know, they were all going to wait. And so that wasn't really an official delay, you know, in terms of him putting on off a decision. Keep in mind, he never committed anywhere else. He never decommitted. It's Gamecocks. He put it out even the day, the signing day after the ceremony, he was retweeting Gamecocks and putting things on his Instagram Gamecocks, you know? So, I mean, social media was all Gamecocks. And uh, I think there was just a lot of nervousness, and I understand that. I mean, you go four and eight, uh, you see other schools getting all these guys, five-star guys in the boat. You got your five-star there, and uh, he doesn't he, – he takes the path less traveled <laughs> towards signing. And, you know, I, I get that. They, they can't all be – not every recruit is like Zach Pickens who just says, I'm done, this is what I'm doing uh, in June, and then – See you guys when the season starts. You know, it's, it's not like that. Not everybody's like that. But Jordan Birch is in. Uh, I hear he's very comfortable with his decisions, excited about getting started with the Gamecocks. Um, you know, I will also tell you this, that the delay had nothing to do with the John Scott Jr. deal. Um, it's, uh, it's a deal where when you look at the people that, that recruited him, now John Scott Jr. was heavily involved with Alex Huntley and was the lead guy on that. Uh, with Birch, it was Mike Peterson, number one, Travaris Robinson, number two, Will Muschamp, number three. And then uh, John Scott Jr. was involved kind of fourth because he was recruiting Huntley. Um, they believe Jordan Birch is a DN slash buck. That Mike Peterson was – Always his future position coach. And Mike Peterson got that one in the boat. Now, had Mike Peterson left and gone someplace else, uh, after, then maybe you think, well, they were probably waiting for some assurance there. But that, that's just not – with Birch, that's not what happened. Uh, because John Scott Jr. was not all that involved with Birch at all. In fact, I was flat out told by multiple sources, Scott had nothing to do with Birch. And these are two as good of the sources as you can get. So – if you were worried about John Scott Jr.'s Penn State deal as far as a reason for the delay with Jordan Birch, that's just not what happened. I can tell you that for a fact. I don't care what you read. I don't care what speculation you see out there. He had nothing to do with it. So that was, um, that was the deal with that. But I, I think that if you're a Gamecock fan, you have to be excited. Jordan Burt, second straight top 10 national prospect from within the state on the defensive line. Uh, coming to the Gamecocks, number one player in the state yet again. Consensus five-star guy. Uh, Big-time talent. And uh, I think that that's, that's exciting if you're South Carolina. I mean, you know, you, you, a great defensive line in this league and against Clemson is not going to guarantee you wins. But I can guarantee you winning is going to be tough if you don't have a good defensive line. Uh, that's just kind of the way it is. So I think that, um, you know, the more of those guys you can get, the better. Uh, and, and like I said, with Tracy Rocker in now, combining with Mike Peterson to coach these guys, you know, 
you look kind of into the future, you peek into that 2021 class. There's a lot of guys that need to be developed that the Gamecocks could get from within the state on the D-line. Um, and that's a, yet another reason why I think this is a great hire by Will Muschamp. You know, I, I think that when you look back and, and look at some of the times where there's been assistant coaching changes at South Carolina and, you know, even the John Scott Jr. hire was met with some specu- you know, skepticism. Oh, this guy's been in Arkansas. They weren't that good, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, look back to some of the hires that maybe haven't worked out. You know, Deke Adams, uh, when that rolled in, when that b- bunch of changes rolled in, when Lorenzo Ward took over the defensive staff, you know, a lot of those guys, you know, and, and resume doesn't necessarily mean success or failure in terms of getting a guy from a lower level. Uh you know, Todd Bates at Clemson, National Recruiter of the Year, obviously, you know, has done an outstanding job. He came from Jacksonville State. He was a Gamecock. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Dabo hired him from there. Uh, you know, there's a lot of guys that, that have come from – I mean, Jay Graham, I mentioned him earlier, well, before he got to South Carolina and recruited Marcus Lattimore and Brandon Wilds and, and produced a lot of good players um, during his tenure. Uh, he was at Tennessee Martin in Miami of Ohio. So, you know, it it doesn't mean if you don't have this long resume that you're necessarily going to be a failure. But, you know, sometimes when you hire folks from lower levels and and, and they don't really fit or do well, which was the case with with that staff, uh, yeah, there's some questions. So if you want a sure thing, which I think at this point you need a sure thing, especially at that critical position, you know, Tracy Rocker's about as good as you can do. Uh, and I hate to keep harping on that, but I mean, I, I don't, I don't really care what fans on message boards or anybody really thinks about his ability to recruit. I think you can work around that, you know, at certain positions. You can't have a staff full of guys that doesn't want to recruit, but if you have a ball coach that at a critical position, um, maybe he's not the strongest recruiter out there, then you can work around that. I mean, and you, you can structure it in such a way where. You know, this guy's, you know, you're not leaning on him as much because you have other people that can go out and, and build the relationships. And he can build relationships with the guys that he's going to coach. And, you know, that's that. So uh, I think it's a, it's a good day, you know, in terms of, of, of what has happened so far, you know, transpiring as far as this, uh, this coaching change deal goes. All right, basketball. And we're going to preview the basketball game later this week. Uh, critical week for South Carolina. Um, thought the Gamecocks rebounded nicely. You know, Texas A&M, if you look at kind of their results besides the two games against the Gamecocks, they've been competitive this year. Buzz Williams obviously is a great coach. Uh, they got off to a fantastic start, and then the Gamecocks just rolled over them. Um, probably would have beaten them a lot worse had Frank not emptied the bench at the end. Big win. I think it was a good rebounding win after the game at Ole Miss. Ole Miss beat Florida this weekend, I think by 17. So Ole Miss, again, I'm going to keep on with Ole Miss is better than we think. Well, this week, Game Guys have a game in Athens against a team that is also better than their record, Georgia. Uh, obviously, Anthony Edwards, the outstanding freshman over there, Tom Crean. They had just – I talked to one of my Georgia buddies on Saturday night. He was distraught because the season basically ended. You know, they lost to Alabama 105-102 in overtime. Uh, they've had one of those tough years where they've lost some close games. They've battled, blew a huge lead against Florida on the road. 
This is a team that can beat the Gamecocks if the Gamecocks have one of those games they don't shoot well and play well, period, bottom line. So South Carolina has to go into Athens and play good basketball. They have a shot to win if they do. Um, and then you got Tennessee, who's right there kind of in the same bubble mix, kind of on the wrong side of the bubble uh, on Saturday. Wins in those two games, you're 16-9, and 8-4, and four, going to Starkville. Mississippi State's really good. They're making a charge. Um, but you're kind of in, in, in position. That's a, that would be a 3-0 and start the second half of the SEC schedule. And, you know, I, I think you know, looking at Ole Miss, maybe that Ole Miss team is going to get up off the – I mean, Ole Miss can shoot, and Ole Miss can, is very well coached. And so that was, a, that was a tough one for the Gamecocks, especially without Manaya. It was good to see Carolina play well without Manaya in some of the areas on Saturday against A&M. And so hopefully they figured it out. But that's a, that's a big one. We're going to talk more basketball later this week. All right, stay tuned. Coaching change stuff, BigSpur.com, TheBigSpur.com. Right here on Inside the Gamecocks podcast, the Inside Football episode this week with Tony will be Wednesday. It should be outstanding. Uh, We'll have my daily episode here uh, as well. Appreciate all you people. I mean, last week we had uh, an unbelievable, unbelievable bunch of downloads uh, on this podcast and just basically me talking. So I, I appreciate that. I must be saying something right. I have some more of the position breakdowns for you now that Birch is in the in the in the in the in the fold, I guess, is what you how you would say it. Uh, as we round out this recruiting class and then some more little special episodes for you along and along here on Inside the Gamecocks Podcast. All right. This is JC Sherbert, and you guys have a wonderful Monday, and we'll talk to you soon.